Hey everyone, welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast for week four of the high school football regular season in Middle Tennessee. Alongside Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Welcome in to week four. We're a third of the way down the regular season, Scott. Wow. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. And there are a lot of people that didn't think we'd get to this point. Yeah. And there are, and unfortunately, there are still some uh, kids waiting to get, to get to this point. Unfortunately, that's the case. And Metro Nashville still waiting on some guidance I was wherever gonna say, it's going to come from. I was going to say, they're waiting on what, Chris? They're waiting at some, <laughs> they're waiting at some leadership. That's what they're waiting on. Yeah. I mean, it's. They, they don't, because they don't have it. Yeah. Um, it, it, my heart just breaks. I, I, every time I think about that, I just, I, I get sad. Uh, when you realize when you when you have a kid who's sitting there and can't play and he looks you know what basically would be about a three minute run four minute run down the road and you know they're playing right yeah it's 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 tough to swallow when you realize that so many other schools are playing and you're not and and they're not really telling you why you know just because they're in virtual learning isn't a good enough excuse, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. But let's look at it from a positive side. There are some teams that are going to get to play this week. This is true. We'll add Ensworth and FRA and Father Ryan to the fold. They've been sitting out since the first of the year. Those those Division Two teams are going to be playing their first games of the season this week, and uh, we'll see Ensworth and at CPA on yep. Friday night. So Is NBA? NBA as well. No, you're NBA? right. Okay. NBA. I forgot to mention them. Well, that's understandable. They've not played for a week, this, and we've not. This is true. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be good to see some of those teams uh, get to play. But, again, yeah, yeah, and that's on the positive side. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to stay there at least for the next few minutes. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll start by looking back at last week, a couple of games we, we took in. I was at Hartsville for Trousdale County and Watertown, a battle for, for not just bragging rights, but for control of Region 4 in Class 2A and – this one turned into just a defensive slugfest. It was 9-7, to seven, Watertown coming away with a win. And really, it was a punt snap that went over and out of the back of the end zone of the first quarter that went to safety that made the difference in this one because neither side could really get the offense going. It really does seem to always come down to an error of some, you know, of some magnitude that leads to points mm-hmm. with those two teams. But also... Quanteria Shoes Malone. Yeah, huge play with, with an interception late as Trousdale County is driving to get into into field goal range. And with about a minute to go, they're about at the 35-yard line, and Malone just, Hughes Malone just steps in front of a pass and picks it off. And as he told me after the game, they kind of weren't actually lined up right on the play, and it worked out in their favor. Wow, isn't it just the way, though? Sometimes it is. But, uh, you know, each team had one touchdown, one scoring drive, basically of any length. And other than that, it was between the 20s for the most part because Watertown had 224 total yards. Trousdale County had 194. And a lot of that 194 came on one run. It was 85 yards for their only touchdown of the night. So no, they were they were just struggling to, to get the offense going. And like you said, I mean, that's control right now for that region. How did how was how was uh, life on the creek bank? Uh, it was it was interesting with the social distancing or, or what their attempt was at it. Uh, <laughs> let's be honest, it, it wasn't exactly you know, perfect, but I'm, I think Trousdale County side did a really good job of it. 
Watertown side, you couldn't find a mask anywhere on that side once the game started, which is unfortunate. You know, I, I find that in some in some of the games that we've that I've been at, it does seem like it's the visitor side usually seems to be lacking. The home side, you know, they they have they take responsibility. Now, whether that's because it's a home game and we're going we have all these regulations is what we're going to do, and as a and the other side doesn't get the message or what. It does seem though that the home teams are taking responsibility, and the visiting teams not always, not always, but the visiting teams it it may just be a little bit more relaxed. Well, I think it's because like you're the people who are working the game from a quote-unquote security standpoint, are mm-hmm. mainly focused on the home side. You basically would bring some of your teachers, I guess, to, to work on the visitor side, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Oh, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that it's you, know, you have procedures and policies put in place, and you preach them all week to your parents, staff, kids, whatever, and so everybody knows what to expect. And then as a visiting team, you may not get the message. No. I mean – but let's let's hope that I hope that nothing comes from it. Hope, yeah, exactly. You hope that nothing comes from it because you, you really don't want to be taking that home. And then next thing you know, you're off for two weeks, and yeah. uh, now you've got two region games. And now, as the season goes on, that's the problem because early in the season you have time to make those things up, right? But as you get down towards the end of the season, those Makeup games are going to become no contest games or forfeits for that matter. Yeah, especially if you get in the playoffs. Exactly. I mean, but uh, to bring it back to the football side of things, uh, <laughs> you know, Watertown didn't have a ton of of offensive output, uh, but you know the Purple Tigers ha- had some pretty good runs from Jordan Carter, and he was kind of a a catalyst for that offense and. As much difficulty as they had moving the ball, he was able to get them enough down the field to to at least give them an opportunity to, to score some points. They missed a field goal right before the half, but uh, other than that, it was really just a, a struggle between the 20s for those two teams. And, and Watertown, for the third straight year, has won the regular season meeting between these two teams. Now, whether that goes over in the playoffs or not remains to be seen. It's been the last two years where Trousdale County has come back in the, in the playoffs and won over Watertown to move on to the semifinals. So that could be very well be the case again this year. You know, it's got to be in the back of both teams' minds. That was already being talked about after the game. Yep. I can tell you that much. So, But uh, you know, a good win for Watertown, and we'll, we'll see you know, if that does indeed hold true for them like it did the last two years. So, But, no, you had – you you had an interesting game from a different perspective from over totally Davis Academy. Di- from a totally different perspective. Uh, yeah, Nashville Christian uh, rolled into uh, Davidson Academy uh, needing a win. They had uh, lost a good pasture week prior um, and really found themselves uh, needing to get things going, and uh, they just couldn't. Um, you know, they made stop er, stops early. Davidson Academy came out. Coach Jonathan Quinn said that revenge did play a factor. This was the last team that Davidson Academy lost to. They haven't lost since they lost to him last year because they ran the table the rest of the way and got the gold ball. Um, negative 63 yards offense. 
Whoa. for Nashville Christian. Negative 63. And, and it wasn't even – and here's the thing that gets me, Chris. I, they – you know, you can throw around the term going to make a statement. Here's a statement. Going for it on fourth down twice in the first half in your own territory – once from your own 35-yard line and not getting it, and the team comes on the field first and 10 at the 35 and goes backwards. That's how much belief the Bears had in their defense. They did not think that Nashville Christian could move the ball on them and proved it. Wow. Um, you know, A.J. Quinn, leader of the defense, you know, the, he, he'll tell you. Uh, he told us, came out looking to make a statement. Um, really, it you know, first quarter it was a little back and forth. Nashville Christian throws a couple of picks. Davidson Academy can't cash in. But then after that, they just wore him down. Griffin Sweeney, Griffin Sweeney. Uh, uh, Julius Orr, which was something we didn't see last year as much, which was a speed guy in the backfield. He He showed up. Um, but it was, uh, you know, they went up 14 to nothing. Uh, they went in a half of 21, all three Sweeney touchdowns. Um, you know, there was just nowhere for Colby Lambert to throw. Uh, there was really, uh, nowhere for them to go. Uh, now they did have their mobile quarterback was out of the game, Matt McCleary. Um, and then, uh, their running back, Martez Edwards, uh, was, was injured in the second half. I think he came back. But, uh, you know, it was just A.J. Quinn. And it was A.J. Quinn's night. He was making plays left and right on defense, making tackles. At one time, he made it – He made it was fourth and two, and Nashville Christian went for it. He shot the gap and shut him down. They they get the ball. One play later, he gets a – he takes a pass and in from about 24 yards out. It was just his night. Uh, it was a deep – but it was really the defense's night. Um it was a, it was as much a as a of a dominating performance, as I think I've seen by defense in some time. And it, it kind of brings a question to my mind: is who's going to stop Davidson Academy? And right now, the only thing I can think of is USJ, that may be the only team standing in their way of another run at a goal ball. Yeah, somebody's got to score on first. This is true. <laughs> I mean, they have outscored opponents eighty-five to nothing in two games. So, yeah, the first points, that, the next points they give up will be their first ones. So, but I think that you're right. I think that you know, Coach Quinn's going to have to keep these guys grounded. But uh, USJ is going to be the game. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, those those were two. The defense ruled the our games of the week last week. So honestly, but you know, that's. You know, that's the way you I would figure it would be, especially with a season that didn't have a preseason. Yeah. Is that your defense should? I would hope this would be the case because it tells you that you can play that kind of game when it counts because you get into November and toward the end, you're going to have to play games like that mm -hmm. when you need to win and move on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's a good sign that teams are able to win that way instead of having to like, put up 45, 50 points a game. Yeah. Now, I will say, you know, we talked about the last topic. I, I, I have to 
uh, comment on this one because it's only fair. This game was actually one of the ones where I think both sides did a really good job with social distancing and masks. Yeah, good point. Um, but I I did want to make that point so I, people didn't uh, think that I you know was referring to this game. I was referring to some other games that I've been through. Sure. Uh, they they actually did at this one. Uh, uh, social distance fairly well. Um, I did get to see one of those uh, private little pods that I talked about at one time. Oh, yeah. You know, the little uh, plastic zip-up thing that looks like, yeah, you know, it's basically a little square that you sit in. Oh, the soccer mom cover. The soccer mom cover. Oh. Look, they, somebody had one up there on the bank. It was awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know what was really nice, though, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> when I went home. I wasn't wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I mean, we've been through we've been through a car wash basically in two weeks, and and Friday was just so refreshing. It felt great outside. It was clear. It was it was great to have a game where the 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 ball just didn't you know it wasn't like nobody wanted it. You got yeah. some dew on it, but that's about it. I mean, yeah. Now it was amazing how quickly the dew came in. Yeah, it did because I heard. I think it was, it was Watertown Center was screaming for a new ball after a couple of plays, and they finally got him one. But uh, they had to switch balls because of that reason, but not because of rain, and that's a good thing. That was a that, and it was cool. Yeah, it, it was. was. It was. It was. It was a night made for football. You could almost see your breath, and that's something in in the first of September <laughs> in Middle Tennessee. Absolutely. So yeah, it was a good week. It was an interesting week from from a lot of different standpoints, but uh, we had some really strong performances from some individuals that we need to talk about in our Citizens Bank Player of the Week Award. And we had four finalists, and the race for the fan vote between these four was really good. In fact, it came down to just a handful of votes. Yeah, it was it was neck and neck for the last two days, I think. So let's mention the finalists here. First off, Cooper Pennington, good past your quarterback. 15 of 16 passing, 126 yards and a touchdown. 17 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns as they beat BGA 32-28. Trevor Andrews from Ravenwood, the new quarterback for the Raptors, 16-24, 312 yards, five touchdowns, 20 carries for 123 yards, and he also caught a pass for 12 yards as well. Come to find out later. So he accounted for 450 yards of offense on his own. Marcus Lloyd from Riverdale, 14 carries, 153 yards, three touchdowns. Taylor Montiel, Brentwood Academy, 22-34 for 363 in a score as B.A. knocked off defending state champion McCauley. So those are our four finalists. Now, the fan vote is actually just wrapped up. And Trevor Andrews got a late push to, at the end to, to win their vote. It was nearly 900 votes cast, so thank you all for voting first off. But Andrews had thirty eight and a half percent of the vote. Cooper Pennington thirty six point three. Wow. Yeah, it Boy, was that close. You're splitting hairs there. And there was nearly a dead heat in the final hour. From wow. looking at those polls oh and, and seeing how they progressed. So it was a great it was a great poll, great yeah. great race for their vote. But we got votes too. Yes, we do. So I'm going to give you the option if you'd like to go first. No, you go ahead. You're going to let me go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead. Well, I, that's a good that's a good idea. Except I'm going to take the suspense out of it. If you count for 450 yards on your own and five touchdowns, that's a good night. And no offense to Cooper Pennington because he's been fantastic for a good pasture team that's off to a great start. 
but Trevor Andrews might be off an even better one for Ravenwood, and he's going to get my vote, and he's going to get Player of the Week before you even vote. Oh, well, it didn't matter. <laughs> so what you're telling what you're telling me is I can just pack pack up my ball and go home. Basically, yes. Yeah. Well, it wasn't going to matter anyway because I would have made. It, we're you, making it unanimous. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. It was it was that pass he caught that tipped the scale. Oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> no. The twelve yarder. Yeah. It was the twelve yard. It was that extra twelve yards that just, just that pushed him one over. More. The t- no. I mean, let's you know that is a full night. And, and, again, not to take anything away from good pastures quarterback or any of the other. I mean, right. Taylor Montiel, that against McCauley, yeah. putting up 363 yards. Yeah. yeah you, you may not get the TDs, but you you are putting the stats up and you're putting the work in. Yeah, you're putting your offense in good spots to win a game that you need to win. You know, if yeah, you're carrying the, ball, carrying the rock 153, yard, uh, 153 yards, three touchdowns, you're putting the work in. Mm-hmm. But – yeah, you can't argue with putting the work in, running the ball, throwing the ball, five touchdowns. I just, I, 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 there's, to me, to vote against that, your my heart would have to overrule my head, but my heart's in the right spot too. So, again, it's unanimous, man. I, you know, Trevor Andrews uh, this week has so, got it. So, back to back player of the week awards go into Ravenwood. That's where Junior Colson did it in week two. Wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I didn't either, but uh, they've played well enough to, to earn these honors. And uh, we thank Citizens Bank for sponsoring our Player of the Week each week this year. And we've got some nice gifts going to these young men very soon. I'll be making some stops to hand off these awards in the coming days, so stay tuned for that. And stay tuned after the break. Beach head coach Anthony Crabtree joins us. We talk Hendersonville and Beach this Friday after the break. This is a 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Hey, folks. If you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615preps. Friday night's finest play here. Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast. Got Beach Head Coach Anthony Crabtree with us. Coach, appreciate you hopping on with us this week. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Beach Hendersonville, we talk about a game like this every year. You know, it's such a rivalry in Hendersonville and Sumner County. It's not a region game, but I guess it doesn't really matter considering the history y'all have. Well, you know, it's just for bragging rights um, since we're not in the same region anymore. Um, but it is, <coughs> excuse me, it is a big game for our community, um, for the town of Hendersonville. You know, it's always a, most of the time, it's a good game. Last year, we came back late in the game to win, uh, I think, 18 to 17. And, uh, you know, most years, I feel like both teams are going to play their best game, um, regardless of how good or bad you really are. Um, I think this 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 game um, allows your kids to just turn it up and play and, and play free and, and get after it and go compete for bragging rights for the next year. I want to talk about that last year's game for just a second because your special teams made the difference in, in getting you that win. You had I think, a couple of uh, punt blocks and a couple of special teams plays that your kids made to, to help get that win. Uh, the way you guys work on special teams, you probably work on it more than most, to be honest, if, if I remember right, but uh, – 
Now, the way you guys focus on special teams, how big is that for your kids and just in your program in general? Well, we, we feel like special teams are, are very important. You know, uh, we do try to spend a, a lot of time working on special teams and trying to make sure that we're sound in what we do. And, you know, I think they spend a lot of time on special teams as well. Um, you know, sometimes you just have bad things happen. And, uh, you know, sometimes you you just have somebody that you have to use that maybe um, they're either young or they're inexperienced. And, um, you know, it's just it gets a little overwhelming for them at times with pressure. Um, and that can create a situation in a game like Hendersonville versus Beach um, that can cost you points or cost you field position. Um, so both of us, I feel like, spend a lot of time on special teams, put a huge emphasis on it, and try to be really good in special teams. And, you know, offensively, you guys have done the same stuff for years, and it's produced a lot of great running backs. You had Jay Sean Parks as a Mr. Football finalist last year. Now Tyshawn Jefferson's in the lead role. What's his development been into transitioning into it more of an every-down back for you? Well, like I said last year, you know, really and truly, he should have gotten more carries than he did last year, and that, that's my fault. Um, you know, it's it's not a transition, I don't feel like, for him uh, because we let him split time with Patrick Hill. Yep. Um, and then also we can put um, Adrian Johnson in the backfield um, at tailback if we need to. Um, but, you know, Tyshawn right now is our guy, and uh, he, he does a fantastic job. And, you know, to be a small guy, he's, he's really tough, and, and he doesn't mind running the ball in between the tackles. And, he does a great job for us, so we're we're excited about you know what he's doing right now for this football team. You know, as far as the first two or three weeks are concerned, y'all have about, y'all have scheduled about as tough as anybody out there. You go on short notice to Powell in week one. How did that all come together? <laughs> well, you know, we do feel like our schedule's been pretty tough. Um, you know, our, our game with uh, Jackson Northside got canceled on a on a, the Friday before we were supposed to play the next Friday. Yep. And so we were just kind of scrambling around and, you know, trying to find somebody to play and, you know, Powell having to have an opening and, you know, they weren't willing to travel um, here, even though we really needed a, a home game. Um, but we decided that, you know, we were afraid that if we didn't take advantage of the opportunities we could get that, you know, our kids might not get to play a lot of games this year. So <clears throat> we decided we'd load up on a bus and take off and, and give our kids an opportunity to compete. And, uh, you know, that was a big game for us from a standpoint of being able to get experience and growing up for some young kids. Yeah, it was, so I felt like as the game went on, we got better. Um, we done some things offensively that are uncharacteristic, I feel like, of us, which is drop the ball on the ground. Uh, you know, we typically don't fumble the ball. But uh, that night we had, I think, six turnovers, if you count the onside kick that we didn't get. Yep. Um, so – like I said, that was a great opportunity for our team to to grow up and mature and, and playing against a good football team. Do you think that was kind of a product of uh, maybe not getting the scrimmages in the seven-on-seven seven work that you would have liked? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that when you're trying to play guys that have never played on a Friday night before and they're sophomores, um, yeah, you know, they get a little big-eyed when someone comes out and they're no huddle. And Even though they didn't go really fast, uh, still being really athletic, and doing what they do and, and being no huddle kind of put some pressure on our guys. and It just took us a little while to adjust and, and uh, adapt to the speed of the game and what was going on. And you guys have had a lot of miles already because you went out to Milan to play Henry County. Now, how, how good was the experience for those kids to play another five that gets in there like Henry County so early in the year? Well, it was, you know, that's always a, 
a good football game between us and them. You know, I feel like they are a little bit, a lot like us, I guess. They like to run the football. They like to be physical. It's always a good football game. So, yeah, we went from one end of the state to the other, um, but our kids got an opportunity to, to compete against two really good football games, and we were able to win one of them. So that kind of set us up, I think, to, you know, play Laverne last week, and, and our kids, you know, played really well. I was proud of them. You guys got to break in the new turf for regular season game for the first time last week. How y'all enjoying the new surface? Oh, we love it. It's awesome. You know, be able to go up there and practice every day, um, have all the lines on the field, the numbers, the hashes, all that kind of thing. Where you know all your landmarks are there. Um, that's that's a. I feel like that's an advantage for our kids to be able to use those every day. Coach, is there a uh, a big difference as far as? Uh how you play on a turf surface versus versus a grass surface? I don't think so, um, unless it's obviously the grass is wet. Um, then I feel like that, you know, is, is a different surface. Um, the turf, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it can come a monsoon and, you know, 15 minutes later or less, you're ready to go. Um, you know, it may still be a little wet on top, um, but for the most part, you know, it's it's just turf, um, whereas grass is, is definitely not that way. Now, when you, what what kind of set the project in motion to get the turf in there? I know I was up there for the Glencliff Lane a few years ago, and it was a monsoon, and the field was kind <laughs> of kind of a swamp afterwards. Was that kind of one of those games where you guys said, you know, we might as well just go ahead and get turf in here and try to avoid this stuff again? Well, I've kind of wanted it for a couple of years three or four years, I guess. Um, but never, to be honest with you, never really thought it was a reality just because it's so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, about a year and a half ago, I, I got to talking to some guys that are, are big supporters of Beach High School and Beach Football and, you know, kind of kind of pitched my, my dream. And, you know, they wanted to know what they could do to make it happen. And so we kind of got together and came up with a plan. And, you know, we've raised raised a lot of money to, to put this in. Um, and, you know, you were talking about the field being wet. Um, last week, we had four games. We had we played football Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and it come a monsoon on Tuesday. And uh, so the middle school had to push their game back from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and then soccer practiced on the field Wednesday night. If we would have had grass uh, and had our old field at least two um, of those games would have had to have been canceled or rescheduled. Um, and then soccer would not have been able to go out there and practice. So um, it, it's really big for our community, uh, for our middle schools, because we have a middle school game here every Tuesday night. Um, so the stress of not having to worry about, you know, are we going to have to cancel when it starts raining? When are they going to be able to reschedule? Um, you know, all of those things, um, it's just taken out of the equation. Um so it's it's really big for our community. That certainly has to be a uh, towards the end of the season, uh, some uh, a really good thing to have in that you're not going to be facing games late in the year with a poor surface. Yeah, and you know that's been our kind of our history for the last several years. Is by the time we get to you know mid October, um, we're kind of down to dirt in the middle of the field, and. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's a huge driving factor and being able to get the turf. And, you know, like I said, you know, our, our, these guys that were wanting to help, you know, they, they understand uh, what our field was like and how much work 
uh, we tried to put into it and the, all the things we tried to do to it to keep keep good grass on it. But there's just so much activity on it, um, and it didn't drain well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, it was a real blessing to be able to get this. Well, Coach, steering back t- towards the game uh, a little bit, uh, you've got two really good backs coming in there Friday night. Um, yeah, how is is there anything that you're going to do? Well, it, that you can tell us that you would do <laughs> anyway that um, that can equalize that attack. Well, we're just going to have to be extremely uh, fundamentally sound. You know, our guys on defense are going to do a great job of of doing their job. You know, number ones, we have to get lined up right. We have to know what to look at, uh, and then everybody just has to do their job, and we have to tackle well. Um, they do have some really good athletes, um, and they're going to play, you know, way, way, way better than they played all year, um, because it's beach. And so, you know, we're just going to have to raise our level of play a notch or two. And if we're going to compete, otherwise, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Now, from, from a scheduling standpoint, obviously with Metro situation still not resolved, uh, do you have some, maybe some backup plans in place in case they don't get on the field until maybe late October or November? We do not have a uh, week five or a week 11 game. Okay. Uh, right now we have eight games. So um, if, you know, if something else pops open and we can pick up someone those weeks, we, we'll look at it. Um, but right now, um, you know, I don't think there's many options. Yeah. All right. Story time. Of course, when I was up there covering y'all full time, we did a story about how your dad goes to basically every single game you coach. Now, is he still doing that? How's he doing these days? Yeah, he's doing good. Uh, yeah, he still comes. Uh, I think he missed the Henry County game because uh, they were camping in Sevier County. But typically, <laughs> he would drive uh, drive anyway and watch the game. But, yeah, he still comes. You know, he'll be there 90, 99% of the time. And uh, he's hanging in there and doing well. Good deal. Good to hear it. Well, Coach, I appreciate Thanks you guys. Asking. Yeah, I appreciate you hopping on with us this week. Uh, we'll be looking forward to Beach and Hendersonville Friday night, and uh, should be a good one up there on the turf at Shackle Island. Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, I hope our guys uh, answer the bell and, and go out and, and uh, are mentally focused and, and compete and uh, don't get embarrassed. So um, we'll see what happens. All right. That's uh, Beach Head Coach Anthony Crabtree. We're back after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast. Time for us to make our choices, either good or bad, for some of the best games of the week. It's who you got. Scott, um, you guys got a little work to do. Don't say. You, you do. You got a little you work to do. You don't say. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the best week for, well, Drake really had a poor week. He was 5-5. Five and five. So that, that week one, well, I was beginner's six and luck. I was 6-4, right? So well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get okay. to that. Oh, okay. So, Drake's beginner's luck in week one has run out. Yeah. But He's fallen to last place. Okay. So, and, and but both of you got jumped by the Twitter voters last week. Well, I, I've been telling you all along that Twitter voters were smarter than me. I know. And apparently it took, and apparently, it took them all three weeks to prove it. Three weeks to prove it. And that's what you call feeling sorry for me. They took mercy on me. They're Did coming. They? They're coming for you. Are they? Well, they got about four games to make up because I'm I'm out front. It's still a young season. You're right. It is. I think I was in this position last year at about this time. You're right. 
And I, I, it could very well happen to me again. But right now, I'm going to enjoy the front running spot. I, I was going to say. You, I'm enjoying the lead. Enjoy it while it lasts. I'm going to enjoy the lead while I got it. So I, All I can say is, hey, I won one year. Okay? Let me tell you. I won the first fantasy league I was in. I won. I haven't won a dang one since. I was in five last year, and I won three of them. So, that, that how, also, how, that, that how's also your tells arm you feel? That, How's your arm feel? I, I, how do you reach back there that far and pat yourself on the back? Dude? I don't. I don't. I have a back scratcher. <laughs> hey, when you get to be 37 years old, stuff does not work like it used to. I'm 54, I dude. Didn't say the, I didn't say anything, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But you, but you know what I'm talking about, though. Oh, my. No, I forgot it because at 54... <laughs> At 54, you tend to forget stuff, okay? Okay, this has gone off the rails long enough. Let's get the train back on. Okay. All right. Independence and Blackman next. Blackman got some revenge a little bit. <laughs> they took it out on Coffee County last week after two rough weeks to start the year. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine being Coffee County and seeing – you just knew that you were about to get – They were in for it. Their best. Yeah. Their best. But – uh Wow, you know, independence. You know, Jackson Campbell. Yep, he's but done nothing but bring it week after week. Yeah, um, you know they they have a really good receiver, Wilson Calvin. Um, you know, of course, Jackson Campbell is pretty much their offense because he's their leading rusher. Yeah, we don't talk about either of these kids enough. You know, Campbell's no. been great in the first three weeks. Calvin Wilson three TD catches last week. Uh, probably could have been a player of the week candidate, but we had to narrow it down to four. So yeah, I mean that that's the that's the sorrowful part of the player of the week is that each week you get to illuminate four, but there are some out there that are deserving. Yeah, you know, and, yeah there uh, sure are. You know, Drew Beam is another good good player, good quarterback for Blackman. They just haven't had a whole lot of luck up until that Coffee County game. Yeah, their offense had struggled in the first two weeks. Yeah. Um, I think we'll learn a lot more about Blackman after this week. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, Independence, I was looking at their records. They only have seven tackles for loss this year. And Blackman, uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, Blackman, uh, I'm, you know, they got drilled by Independence last year. Yeah. That is right. <laughs> 49 to 13, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that was my notes anyway. Um, I think Beamer won absolution after turning the ball over twice last year, which uh, they gave up. Blackman gave up 332 yards. So I think that Blackman uh, turning it around. Uh, I, I I don't know who the either of these tre- teams truly are, but I think Independence may be closer to knowing. I'm going Eagles. Yeah, it was 49-7 last year. Independence 49-7. Yeah, yeah. So Blackman will want oh, a little yeah. bit of revenge for that one. Yeah, and I'm going. I'm going Independence just because I think that Independence may know a little bit more about themselves at this point. Blackman is still learning. You might be right about that, and uh, Kit Hart's it's probably got to be you know nearly pulling his hair out because he, his defense has not given him nearly what he thought they would the first couple of weeks. And this is going to be another tough game for them. Trying to contain Campbell and Wilson is a challenge on its own, and. I got to go Independence here as well. I think that they're playing pretty good football right now, and, and we're going to see. Independence might be stepping into that challenger role in their region with Ravenwood and Brentwood. We'll see them a little later down the line, but this week will be a good will be a good way to find out where they really are. So I'm taking Independence as well. 
Answorth at CPA. Our fans voted this is our second game of the week. And uh, Answorth gets to join the fold this week. They've been sitting out. They've been waiting until after Labor Day to come back and, and play again. And Rock Batten and the Tigers will be hitting the field at CPA. And it's a good game for them to start out with. It is, and, and I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a good game or not. <laughs> I mean, you want to walk, in, uh, you know, you want to open up the season without hitting anybody but each other, and then walk into CPA, you know, yeah. to play CPA. You know, Innsworth is a mystery. We don't know anything about them. We do know they have uh, Andre Tarantine uh-huh. at uh, the Ohio State commit at wide receiver, and they have a lot of talent on defense. Uh, CPA, you, you know what you're going to get with CPA. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they actually passed the ball around quite a bit last week. Um, but I think the, the whole, this whole game is going to be on how much they can run and keep, uh, Innsworth's offense off the field. Yep. I think Langston Patterson is going to have to have a good game. You know, CPS like the Iceman from Top Gun. <laughs> you know, they're fundamentally sound. They're going to wear down the competition until they make a mistake. But what happens when Iceman is flying a smaller, lighter plane, dude? Uh. You know, <laughs> what what happens when when the Iceman, uh, you know, is coming up against like, uh, you know, the new stealth bomber? And that's what I think Ensworth is here. And I think CPA is going to give them a game, but I think Ensworth just has too much talent, too much depth, and I think Ensworth is going to win this. One. I don't think this is forty-two ten like it was last year, though. Not in any stretch. I, I think no. I think we'll see a, a close game in the fourth quarter, but I agree. I think Ensworth is going to be the more talented team here, and that's not a slight on CPA at all. No, no, no. It's not. Um, it's just how good both these teams are, but I think Ensworth is a little better, and they're anxious to get out there and play, and they're anxious to prove it to somebody, and they'll do that this week and, and make a statement out of the gate. I agree. Uh, so right now, we're three for three on – Going the same so, direction. What's so, wrong? I don't know. Is this a sign of the apocalypse? What's wrong? What's going? Well, it, it it was a hundred in Denver, and now it's snowing. Like a day later, so. Oh gosh, it's, somebody's opened the seventh seal. I guess um. so. <laughs> Mount Julia to Gallatin. This isn't this is an old rivalry as well. Um, you know, the Golden Bears visiting the Green Wave at the Wave Yard, and these two teams. You know, Mount Julia had a week off before beating Lebanon last week. You know, Gallatin had Green Hill. I don't know that we necessarily know about enough about these two teams at this point in the year. I really don't think so. I don't think Gallatin uh, – I, I don't think they've shown everything that they've got with the talent that they have and the depth. Uh, their defense is going to have to, I think, have to step up and play extremely well. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know that Mason Stanley's coming along at quarterback. But you just you haven't seen them up against that top competition. This is the week. Yeah, this is the week. It is. I don't is. think I don't think we're going to see another zero zero game until Spencer Brick takes the ball fifty yards like last year. I was going to reference that was seven nothing <laughs> last year. It may be a little higher scoring than that. These two teams typically play some pretty close games. Now, the three years prior to last year's game were the exception, but generally they're pretty close, and you know. Gallatin, like I said, Mason Stanley will learn a little bit more about him because he's playing a better defense than what he's seen so far. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it tells that last week, Mount Julius' defense is no joke. I mean yeah. they they held uh, Dante Shannon to twenty four yards. They held Lebanon to negative four rushing last week. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think that I'm going to go with the revenge factor in this game. I think that you're looking at – I think it is a low-scoring game. Yeah. I do. Um, I just think that Mount Juliet has a long memory, and they've circled this game on their schedule. So, I'm going to go with the Bears. Hmm. Now, how the turntables have turned, <laughs> to quote Michael Scott. <laughs> I like that pick for that reason, but I think Gallatin's front may be the difference in this one and being able to to keep Stanley upright. It may be first to 20 wins, but I think Gallatin gets there. Ooh. It really could. It should be a good one there at Gallatin, though. I, I would think that that would be a, a very – very competitive contest, and one we'll keep an eye on during the night Friday. And now we go on to Page and Lipscomb Academy, and it's two teams that badly need a win because they've struggled out of the gate trying to get them. Page is one and two in their game, but they they had some rough outings against Fairview and Shelbyville. Lipscomb Academy had Brentwood Academy and JP two to start out, and then they've been they were off last week, so they're getting back into it after a week off. You know. I'm curious about this game just to see if Page can keep pace. I think Lipscomb Academy's offense is about to take off. Yeah, well, the, the problem that Page is facing is that is pass protection. You know, last week against Shelbyville, they gave up seven sacks. This continues to be a problem with the Patriots is pass protection uh, because, you know, when given time, Jake McNamara can sling the ball. Yeah, McNamara actually is a transfer from Lipscomb Academy too, so he's – He's got some familiarity here. Well, the more you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they only had six yards rushing. Uh, this is this is a problem for the Patriots is that their offense can't gener- is not generating consistent points. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> you can't allow that to happen against Lipscomb Academy. No, you can't. Because that's a team that can put points up in a hurry. Yeah, had they not had seven turnovers to JP2, that would have been a win for them, and they probably would have been in the 40s, but – you know, they've kept putting the ball on the ground, and it cost them a win there. Yeah, and I think Jaden Lyles has a big game because, again, Page uh, defensively are allowing a lot of rushing yards. Um, you know, Lipscomb, you know, they get the week off after, you know, like you said, the PJ, uh, the Pope John Paul, the second game. I think their defense has approved uh, this year a little bit. Of course, look at who they played when you look at those scores. Right. Right. Uh, I expect that uh, they'll have to clean up the mistakes they make with the football. Again, they were playing with a greased pig, you know, weeks one and two, but everybody was, right? Yeah. Um, and I expect uh, Richardson is uh, receiver Baker to have a good game. Uh, I think it's a good uh, a shootout. I think it's a gut uh, – it could be a shootout. I think it's a gut check game for Page. But I think the Mustangs are improving in every area. They have the running game. But if I were to diagram these teams as they are right now, the Mustang arrow would be trending green. The Patriot arrow would be trending red. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Mustangs. It's not a must-win game for Page, but it's a a, a must-improve game for Page, if that makes sense. And I think they've got to show that they are going in the right direction, both offensively and defensively. And if they don't, it could be a tough year for them. But, you know, 
they'll keep it close for a while, but I think Lipscomb Academy has too much firepower, and I think the Mustangs do right away with a win in this one. Laverne and Lebanon. I think this is going to be a really good game. I really do. I think that these teams uh, just about maybe evenly matched. Um, you know, Laverne had to play Beach last week, and you know, that's a tough that's a tough ask for anybody. Um, Ray Banner was still able to get 104 yards, um, but another Banner stood out. Isaiah, uh, they found their passing game hmm. now. Uh, uh, they they hit him with a bomb early and then hit him with a bomb late and probably Beach probably had some you know they scored a couple late but still that's that's work that they needed to take some of the load off of Ray Banner um, Lebanon you know they allowed you know, 415 total yards uh, total offense to the Bears 250 of that rushing and now they got to face Ray Banner you know. Uh, you know, I just think that this game, these guys could still be running, you know, after the game. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the defense is here. Uh, I don't – they both have been giving up uh, uh, yardage in chunks. Um, but with Ray Banner in the backfield, you can never rule out the Wolverines. And uh, Lebanon's been averaging, giving up 37 points, averaging two games. But that was Mount Juliet and Gallatin. Um, you got a battle royale between two outstanding banks. I think Laverne's has more weapons, but Lebanon has a slightly better defense. And boy, when you flip that coin, <laughs> yeah, where does that land? I'm going Wolverines in this game. Mm, okay, I like it. I like it enough that I'm going to agree with it. Wow, I think that Ray Banner has another big night, and uh, Lebanon's just kind of in a, in a place where. They've got to figure it out and fast. Yeah. Or it can get away from them real quick. I mean, they, they were down big to Mount Juliet last week, wound up being 45-24. But and they've got some questions to to address on that offense. I just think the more that LaVondre Webb develops. Yeah. And the more that – and the less they have to put on banner, the better that team's going to be. Yeah, for sure. And, and seeing him in, in the season opener at Rockville, and he can carry the load if he's asked to. He just isn't asked to that much because you've got banner – carrying 30 times a game. So if you can keep the pressure off of him, he can he can make plays for you when he needs to. And this Laverne team, I mean, they, they went up to Beach, and they were they were fairly competitive. I mean, yeah, they lost by 26, but you know, as uh, we talked to Anthony Crabtree, they learned some things from playing Laverne. So yeah, I, I think we'll see a, a competitive contest, a spirited contest. But unless Lebanon can stop Ray Banner and, and keep him out of the end zone multiple times, it's going to be Laverne's night, I think. I think I think that if you get a ticket to this game, then you're not going to be disappointed. You've got two of the premier mid-state backs in this game. Yeah, you really do. And that's that's kind of the draw of this game. Northwest and Montgomery Central, two real unknown teams because they've only been playing for one week. Yeah, I know. It's it's amazing. You know, we've been covering football now for a few weeks and, and these guys have just got you know, just got started. So really all you have to go on is one game. And what we've said about one game is that it doesn't define you because right. you haven't had a preseason. You haven't done anything but bang your own hats. Um you know, Northwest, you know, they 
they doubled up on West Creek last week. Um, they got a pretty good back in Kyson Rhodes. Uh, he had two TDs, but he also had a costly fumble. But you're going to see that when you're not when you haven't been playing. Uh, but the, they've got a quarterback this year, and that that they didn't have last year. Ryan Silverstrom, uh, he's back after taking a year off for baseball. Uh, he's throwing the ball well. So, again, I'm like you. It's really hard to read this team right now, but they've got some pieces in place. Montgomery Central, they went to uh, – they put, uh, what, won 20-19 over Portland and had to stuff a two-point conversion mm-hmm. to deny the Panthers at the end. Yep. Um, they got a good quarterback. He's great escapability in the pocket. He's a threat to run any time. That's Logan Sykes. He's got 4'6 speed. They're running back 6'3", 215, Case and Cunningham. Oh, me. The Vikings are not as were not as good as quarterback last year, and it makes a difference. I think it's a close game. I actually think Northwest wins this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how both of these teams kind of evolve from game one to game two. And I'm like you. I, I, think, I think Northwest probably may be the better team here. They played a little bit – I mean – what I think could be a pretty good West Creek team. They beat them beat them last week, so I'm, yeah. I'm, it's a good start for for them. It's a good start for Montgomery Central too. You know that they were able to win a close game against Portland. Yeah, they they've got to clean up some turnovers. They had too, way too many turnovers in the third quarter to allow Portland to get back in the game. Actually, let Portland take the lead before having to come back. So, um, I just think that Northwest is maybe just a little bit better going into week two for them. Yeah. I agree, and I'm going to take Northwest for for that reason. I think that the Vikings want to go into two and zero on the season, and what I think is a close game with Montgomery Central. Father Ryan also hits the field for the first time this week. They're at JP two in the Bishop's Cup renewal, and this is a pretty good rivalry in its own right. And you know, JP two has is on a roll after going to Briarcrest and, and winning a key region game last week. Hey, Father Ryan, you get back on the field. What you gonna do? Play the probably the hottest team right now in Middle Tennessee. Could very well be. Uh, wow. I mean, you're asking a lot to step. I mean, yes, they're I'm. You know, they're not going to concede. They're not going to roll over. And they, they have some weapons. Uh, Parker Erdman is a, a really good wide receiver. Great hands. Kind of an Edelman type player. Uh, they got a good quarterback. DC Tap Scott coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow. I mean, Pope John Paul is just on a roll right now. You know, takes on Briarcrest and beats them. Yeah. You know, you've got Wisconsin. Uh, Antoine Roberts. Antoine Roberts. you got Sawyer Watts who's slinging the ball he around. Had four touchdown passes last week, I believe. Or he had four total touchdowns, I'm sorry. But he uh, had a big part of that offense for, for the Knights. That it's just a lot of this is going to depend on if – Antoine Roberts, if they, if they can control the ball on the ground, which with Antoine Roberts it should be all right. You know, it's this is an unfair opening test for the Fighting Irish. Yeah. Um, you know, the Knights have three games, three wins, and they played good competition. And this game means something to both teams, so the trap game problem doesn't apply. Right. You know, um, both defense give up passing yards, but uh, only one team has Antoine Roberts, and that's the team I'm going with. Yeah. Uh- be good to see D.C. Tapscott get on the field for Father Ryan. 
and, and get his season started. But uh, unless they can contain Roberts in that night's offense, it's going to be a long night for them. The Bishops are going to stay on the hill in Hendersonville. And I think JP2 wins this one by a decent margin. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else I can add to that for but, sure. But I'm curious to see how far the Ryan comes out. I mean, they've been – they're like Innsworth. They've been chomping at the bit trying to get on the field and, and play. And now they're going to get to. So we'll, we'll see what Brian Rector's crew can – come up with against the Knights. Franklin and Summit, next game in our list, and we talk about Summit, we talk about Destin Wade, obviously. He had another big night last week, and their defense shut out Columbia, which I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't either. Uh, they may have finally gotten a, a complete game, although I'm sure Brian Coleman will say there was nowhere near. Um, but, you know, to put 35 up on Columbia Central and not allow a point, that's, that's a statement game. And I think that Destin Wade is making a statement. I don't think he intends to, but I think the statement is is that uh, one Wade could be enough. <laughs> for, for now, yeah. Uh, be interesting to see uh, if and when his brother gets to come back. Um, but as for right now, they're taking care of business. Franklin, you know, their offense is good. Their offense is real good. Their quarterback's really good. But they don't have much of a running game. Um, they've got to find a way to get it going. Um, I take that back. They they have a very good offense. I think their defense has really just got to help them out, really, more than anything. And they've played some tough competition. They really have. Um, and while I think that Franklin's improved over last year, I don't know if anyone's beating some of the way they're rolling. If they can keep it back until, together until Keaton comes back, oh, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the Spartans. Yeah, I mean, Franklin's been pretty competitive in, in the first couple of weeks. They just don't have the record to show for it. I mean, if they weren't playing Ravenwood, if they weren't playing some of the other teams they've been playing, they'd have a better record. But you know, they they play some tough competition, and it has shown up in their record to date. Uh, it's just going to be hard to – to contain Destin Wade. And then Destin Wade, you know, he didn't throw many passes last week. He, he, I think he only threw maybe three or four, actually. He ran most of the night. So yeah. they're going back to kind of more, you know, just put the ball in his hands and let him do stuff. Yeah, you, you want to be able to run, but at some point you got to think about the toll that you're, you know, you're putting on your quarterback, too. And every time he carries the ball, I think that they would much prefer to be able to run uh, – you know, with their backs and not uh, maybe John Dippold uh, taking the load off of Wade a little bit. I'm going to go with Summit anyway. Just, I mean, I, I think that they're playing really good ball right now on both sides, and uh, it's just going to be hard for somebody to stop them at this point, the way Destin Wade's been playing. So give me the Spartans in that one as well. And that brings us to our game of the week, Hendersonville Beach. We talked to Anthony Crabtree in this episode. This has been a rivalry. It's had a lot of close games. Special teams kind of decided that last year they get to put on the new turf this year at Shackle Island. And I'm really interested to see how Hendersville tries to contain Beach's running game because that really is going to define how this thing plays out. Yeah, both I think both teams have and prefer to run the ball. That is their MO. Uh you talked to earlier about Tyshawn Jefferson and uh you know we in the interview with uh, Coach Crabtree, he talked that uh, you know, he really could have had more carries last year. Yeah. 
Um, but I think their quarterback's playing better too. I, I honestly do believe their defense – I mean, their offense, excuse me, is actually a little better rounded this year than it was last year. Um, you know, they're getting better. You know, they – Turnovers have been a problem, but they really were in the lion's share that was in the Powell game. Yeah, they, honesty, they've kind of worked that out. I yeah, think, I think last, last week. And and you know this is both teams these these both these coaches are fundamental coaches. I mean, they preach fundamentals. Yeah, and of course Beach run, run, lines up in the eye and runs it at you, and Hendersonville still runs the wing tee. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of ground game from these two schools, and it's every year pretty close that I think Beach will get to the point where they clean up a lot of the turnovers and other mistakes my question is can Hendersonville offensively get enough in the end zone to make it count if Beach does make a mistake well I'm going to give you two names and those names will tell you which way I'm leaning okay Carter Flat, 10 solo tackles three assists two tackles uh, four tackles for loss three sacks in three games Bronco Hanks, linebacker, 12 solo tackles, 16 assists, one sack, one fumble recovery. I think these two guys make the difference in this game, and that is the reason I'm going with the Buccaneers. Okay. Tyshawn Jefferson is my guy to watch. It's like Crabtree said. You know, he should have gotten more carries last year. To me, he's a feature back with – not as much wear on his on his legs. So, if he gets 20, 25 carries, he should roll along and, and easily get 100 yards in this game, even though Hendersonville's defense is still, still pretty good. The Commandos kind of, they haven't really hit full song yet because they only played a half against Shiles County. They got fed to Oakland in week one. Right. And they played station camp, which wasn't close. So, I, I, I got to see Hendersonville in a close 48-minute game before I can make real judgment on them. And i got to take Beach here because they're the more prepared team, I think, at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. Although one of my favorite my, – my all-name guys is going uh, is in the backfield. Ellis Ellis. You know it. Yep. Yep. Two-way player, two interceptions, two TDs, I think, yep. last week. Yep. Um, I, I think this is a, a close game. I think this is another oh, close sure. game. It could come down to another – uh, muff, uh, bad snap. Uh, yeah, block kick. Block kick. Uh, the moon got in my eyes. Type of Possibly. <laughs> type of game, but it's going to be the the type of game that it should be when you have, you know, two teams that are separated, you know, just by a matter of a, a couple, couple of miles. miles. Yeah, it's not very far. You know, I, I think this is going to be a great game. I'm I'm excited about being there. Yeah, it, it'll be good, especially on that new turf, too. I mean, oh, yeah, because, yeah, you know. That like it's like Crabtree said that it didn't drain well. If it rained there, it was a swamp. Mm-hmm. It was a mud pit. So you know, having a, a consistent playable surface and you don't have to worry about weather or anything like that. Yep. That'll make a difference for a lot of people. But I, I like Beach in this game. So we didn't set. We didn't split on my, on many of them. No, I, I can't get rid of you that easily. Well. You made me pick first every time, so I, I don't want to hear that I... I didn't make you pick first. I, I give you the option, and you take it, so... Well, you let me talk. That's a mistake. <laughs> this is true, although I although you said it, I didn't, so... Again, you let me talk. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, the talking's done because it's week four and we're ready to go. Yep. So that's all the time we got this week. Uh, 
Thanks for listening to us in the 615 Preps Podcast. We will get back with you next week when we have another interesting schedule to talk about, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. See you on the field. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.